The following broadcast was produced by the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco as part of our Lighthouse Learning Library. Welcome to another Lighthouse podcast. I'm here with Jesse Lorenz, who's Executive Director of the ILRC in San Francisco. Welcome, Jesse. Hey, Brian. Great to be here. I'm glad to have you at the Lighthouse. I'm Brian Bashan. I'm the Director at the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that's near and dear to a lot of us, which is what are the tools that blind executives use to be effective on the job and in life? And I want to start first, Jesse, why is it important? Why are we having this discussion? You know, Brian, it's really important to talk about how we do things. Um, on one level, because I think we can always be learning things from some from other people. You know, there are things that I may do that you may not. But on another level, if you look at blind people as a as a more global community, one real deficit in this community is a lack of role models and a lack of connection with other blind people. So I'm hoping that when you and I sit down today, we can definitely talk about systems that we use to keep ourselves organized. Um, you know, I think it's important to, to say that even though you and I are both executive directors, these systems are certainly transferable um, to, to all kinds of areas of our lives. But I think it's important for us to give tips and tools to the listeners out there um, because oftentimes folks don't realize what their own capabilities are simply because they've never encountered another blind person using these tools. I think that's really true, and and I we're here because we think these tools and techniques are teachable, and of course they're important. I mean, how many times does anybody in the movement who wants to advance blind people going through the ranks up to supervisors and up to director level, you realize that the skill set and the tools that you need not to be a line staff but in an, a position of power, especially as an executive, those tools are different. And they demand a certain kind of activity and participation. It's the passivity of not having the ability to get at information and to actually change and initiate. That's the difference between somebody who's a line staff, who's being told pretty much what the job is, and the job of an executive whose job it is to have the vision and to implement that change. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know for me, you know, um, planning is a big component of how I spend my time. I would not be able to plan without a good calendar, calendaring system, for example. Um, I would not be able to um, kind of think about what my vision for next year or the year after or the year after would be if I'm not able to track this year's successes and failures. Okay. So in the balance of the program today, we want to talk about really practical tools you can use to get this kind of job done. Calendaring, contacting, staying on top of information, uh, retrieving information quickly, so you mentioned calendaring right at the top. You want to start there? Sure. Well, calendaring has always been sort of a, a challenging thing for me. For the longest time, I maintained um, a Braille calendar, a hard copy, um, two days on one page Braille calendar. And that worked uh, about in, until my first job when I actually had to start sharing calendar information 
um, with other people. Sighted people needed a reasonable accommodation? Yeah, absolutely. They sure did. Um, so I use a combination of tools. I use the calendar in Microsoft Outlook because that's what we use in um, on my at my office. It's um, Microsoft Exchange. Mm-hmm. Google Calendar is... Um, I have all of my calendars falling into Google Calendar. So my personal calendaring goes into Google Calendar. The Outlook calendar copies over to Google Calendar. And then I'm able to access that Google Calendar on my iPhone using a program uh, created by some blind folks over in the Netherlands called VO Calendar, so voiceover calendar. And that program's pretty great. Um, It allows you to see a week at at a time. So you can actually see, okay, this week I have 15 appointments. Uh, This week I have 25 appointments. You can then drill down day by day to see what appointments are on each day. Um, you can you can do a month view on VO Calendar, and uh, then any of the edits I make on the go. So let's say that I'm on the subway, for example, and I see an email saying that my meeting has um, been uh, postponed for an hour. I can actually make that change right on my phone. My assistant then sees it back in the office because everything is syncing with, with Google Calendar and Microsoft Exchange. Um, and everybody remains in sync. Likewise, if she, my assistant, um, you know, often she will schedule things on my calendar, and she can do it right from her desk at the office. She um, will do it right into Google Calendar, and then it shows up on my phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it sounds complicated. It's not really that complicated, and it keeps me in sync and not falling behind in terms of deadlines, appointments, and, and things I've got to get done. I, I can't agree with you more. And when you say sync, um, here's a difference. So many of the so-called blind devices we've had in the past, the dedicated blind devices, act with the assumption that the blind person is a, a lone atom. You're just by yourself. But almost all employment happens in groups. And if you're an executive, you've got to be executive of something. People need to know what you're doing and your availability and vice versa. So I think the single strongest power to what you said is just the ability to share calendars. Um, My assistant can book something. I can book something on my iPhone that he can see immediately. We can know where the holes are, where the opportunities are. And I think of sort of almost unheralded, the biggest blindness productivity tool in the last few years is exactly that ability to calendar with other people dynamically and have other people know where we are and vice versa. So how do you handle um, the, we need to schedule a meeting and there's five people that need to be in this meeting and, you know, there ends up being like a an email chain of like nine people saying, I can do this time, I can't do that time. Um, how do you handle situations like that? I find sometimes I get like really frustrated by the back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's such a time suck. Um, well, there's a solution that we can use here, but a part of it's not accessible. Have you heard of Doodle? Yeah, I've heard of it, but that's it, it's not accessible. The, the, the setup of the creation of the request is not accessible, but the actual answering of the availability is accessible. So if you do have an assistant who is able to do this, um, it's about the most efficient way to set up a meeting that I know of right now. I hope the Doodle people will fix it. Uh, But in the meantime, 
uh, it's probably saves about a, a trillion keystrokes over just emailing back and forth. Yeah, that's great. I'll have to check it out. Other calendar tricks? You know, I definitely um, use Siri to add things from my add things to my calendar, remove things. Um, I guess Siri doesn't technically remove things from the calendar. I definitely use Siri a lot to add things to the calendar. I would say that that's about it in terms of my tricks. Occasionally, if I have a really busy week, I will sit down on a Sunday and I'll braille out my appointments for the week just on a um, on a four by six card that I can keep in my bag. But you know, I really am not. I used to do that a lot more. Now, I my systems are so solid. Um, and I really don't worry about my iPhone battery, like, you know, crapping out anymore. I've got an extended battery life on it. So I don't really even do that. A couple of calendar tricks that I like. I love the repeating events. If you know you always have a meeting with a direct report, you can just plug those in and it serves as a scaffold for future meetings. That works really well. And then one repeating event that I love to put in there is people's birthdays. So you get a chance to remember when valued community contacts or other people, when their special day is or anniversary of something. And, you know, as an executive, part of your job is relationship building. And people are really tickled when you remember their birthday. So that's a, a simple thing you can use for, for calendars. You just jogged my memory. I actually, and I mean, I, this is a, an interesting service. It's called If This Then That. Um, Never heard of it. Iftt dot com. It's they have an iPhone app as well, and the uh, if this then that. We're, I mean, I'm going to talk about that more when we talk about more organizational systems. It will um, every time I add a new contact into my iPhone address book, it will mark on my calendar the person's name and when and where we met. Um, I'm finding that to be really helpful for donor management donor relationship management. Mm -hmm. um, and all I had to do was, there's a, you go into if this, then that, you search for calendar, and there's different recipes that people have created that work with different services. The one that I have is add new iPhone contact to Google Calendar. Um, I also have it like keyed so that it gives me that location information. And it's a little trick, but it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. I'm liking this business of any technology you can get to remember relationships, donors, committees, political stuff. Uh, it's what we're hired for when you're an executive. Um, one of the things that, that is often vexing is you'll remember something in context. Who was it that I spoke to three years ago? who was a representative of the LED lighting industry that I now might want to use for a donation. I, I wouldn't remember their name to save my life. So I use something that I just keep and I've kept in every job I've had. It's, it's simply nothing more than a Microsoft Word document, sort of a, a day log. And anybody can do it. All you need is a computer of any kind and, and a word processor. The key thing about the the day log is that you can you can search so you can use any search function whatever your uh, screen review program is so I may not remember that LED representative but I can certainly key in lighting or LED and the file is in no order 
and it just you pick it up on a keyword. So the trick is that when you meet someone or have an experience, you write a few keywords in that you might want to remember later on. And this file for me is, I don't know, 500K. It's a big wow. word process file. It's hundreds of pages, but you can search it very quickly. It really works. And I might suggest it. It's available everywhere. That's a really um, interesting approach. I've been trying something uh, called Evernote Hello, which will you can scan your business cards into Evernote. Um, which is a cloud-based storage service. Mm -hmm. And then if it, the person's on LinkedIn, you can invite them to LinkedIn. You can put a lot of context-sensitive stuff into that. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem with that service. Um, I'm not always very good at scanning the cards in. You know, it's like remembering that step. Yes. So then I'll stick them in my little, like, card spot in my wallet, and then it's, you know, a long time before I scan. It's just not... It's not the most efficient thing for me. I think starting a file um, may be something I take from this podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's really low-tech, but it works. What, what I do with business cards, and this is really important, you got to get those cards. You know, Finding that card is really a key part of as you build those relationships. I just put them on a binder clip until they're like half an inch thick. Then it's efficient to go through, and I'll work with an assistant. And I'll just I'll just get them as a file. You know, here are the 50 recent cards, and then it'll go into my day file. Uh, later on, I can import those into contacts if it's somebody that I'm going to call frequently. But mostly, I don't want my contacts to be clogged up with people that I I met once. But I do want to re have some way that I can key in a keyword, and so that's the way I've I've done it historically. I've, I really have always admired the way that you're able to network with people. When we first talked about doing this podcast, that was the thing I really wanted to to hear from you about because, you know, you are a you are a very well connected person, and you seem to just remember like everyone you've ever met. And now I know how you do that. <laughs> uh, it's it's really important not just to rely on memory or proclivities, but to systematize it. And this is the assumption of this podcast is that this is all something that people can can learn. I'll tell you one of one of my best tools that doesn't involve cards or anything else. I, I think as blind people, we need to be able elegantly to grab a little bit, a factoid, an email address, a phone number. And in some settings that are controlled, of course, you can use your slate and stylus or your Ultrabook or whatever to write these things down, but often you're walking in a street or in a hallway or on a train, and the time to like boot up an operating system or whatever is is not there. And so, what I always carry with me that has no startup time at all is just a pocket digital recorder. And the idea here is not that I'm going to go review it when I want to find somebody's information, but I like that clip full of cards. I'm going to grab a bunch of people's emails, addresses, and other other interesting data that I'll need. And then maybe it's once a week, I'll sit down, it's a quiet time, and I'll just myself transcribe those things into my day file, or if they need to be in, in my phone for a phone number or contact. And you slowly accumulate things. But the, the, the key is, I can't find anything with the, the least time between wish 
and execution than a little little thing that fits in your pocket. It's got buttons. You don't have to go through nested menus. You're recording in, in half a second. And I'm all about speed and elegance. That, that works for me. Yeah, you know, um, I am a big um, evangelist for David Allen's Getting Things Done. Mm. And uh, it's a, can I talk a little bit about yes, that? Yes, please. So David Allen, he has a methodology. It came out in like 2003, 2004. His book is called Getting Things Done. And I use it all the time. Um, it is how I run my life. It is how I run an organization. I'm a, a single mom to a, a very active three-year-old. Um, and it, it breaks down into three components. Capture, which is kind of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You need to be able, anyone, any one of us, all of us need to be able to capture information on the fly. So for you, that's best done using your digital voice recorder. Um, for me, I use uh, a program on my iPhone called Dropvox, mm -hmm. D-R-O-P-V-O-X. Um, I have it on my dock. I open up the program. It goes immediately into record, and then those recordings are uploaded to Dropbox. Sweet. Um, so David Allen Systems breaks things down into three components, capture, do, and review. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the capture function because it's, it's pretty important. Um, the other thing that I do a lot to remember things is I use the reminders feature on my iPhone. Walk us through that. Okay, so you and I are out and about, um, and you want to see um, a copy of the plans to my new space, for example. I happen to have a Braille version of the plans that I could uh, send over here for you to take a look at, but you and I are just walking down the street. So I will push the um, home button on my iPhone. I'll say, Siri, remind me to send Brian, or actually I'll say, Siri, remember to send Brian the plans for the new space. Because if you say remind me, then Siri's going to want to have a whole damn conversation about the time <laughs> and the date and, you know, all of that. If you just say remember, then Siri's not going to time and date it. She'll just stick it into your reminders list. Um, my reminders then sync with a program called OmniFocus, and OmniFocus uh, syncs with my computer. OmniFocus, I can use it on my um, iPad or iPhone, and it allows me to track the major focus areas of my life. So parenting, relationships, my move, uh, we're having an organizational move, work I have to do with the board of directors, my own health and fitness, um, the different commitments that I have to the um, State Independent Living Council, of which I'm a member, travel, all that stuff can be tracked on different lists within OmniFocus. So I say, remember to send Brian the plans for the new space. Mm -hmm. And um, that then goes into OmniFocus. If I was thinking ahead, I would have said, remember when I get back to the office to send Brian's the Plant, the plans to the new space and then it would just pop up and remind me when I get to my office because they're all lo location based oh um, you have to talk about that because that is such a slick feature of this yeah I mean so one way is to just do a standard reminder then that reminder goes into my OmniFocus I see it and I uh, do it and then check it off the other way to, to get a little bit more um, I mean 
in depth, I guess is the word, is you can have location-based reminders. So, for example, I told you about this active three-year-old I have. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, Brian, but she goes through socks faster than, (laughs) like, I go through, uh, I don't know what. I mean, she goes through so many pairs of socks. So I have my... um, my location-based reminders to remind me when I go by the Target on 4th and Mission, remind me to pick up children's socks. Um, I've only had to go through the process of creating the reminder once. Um, It's location-based. So every time I go by there that I, until I check it off, it's going to remind me. Um, And... Yeah, I I just, I have to say, I've got so many different balls in the air, so many different balls in the air, and I really believe that um, the information does not belong in my head. Mm-hmm. My head is not a good receptacle for all this stuff. If I get these this information out into my iPhone or into some sort of capture device, like you use your, um, your re- little digital recorder, um, what I'm doing is I'm freeing up my headspace mm-hmm. so that I can get more stuff done mm-hmm. and that I can I can be more um, do more of the visionary work that I like to do as opposed to the you know the the widget work mm-hmm. so this is the challenge it's just there are always a thousand more details than you have time for how does one prioritize especially as an executive you have a finite amount of time there's always more work to do than you have time how do you know how do you know what goes on top for me i've have to, i have to review my entire system once a week um i know that there are major areas of focus in my life and my lists are arranged in the order of of those priorities so the list i always see on top is parenting cuz that's the most important thing to me how about that <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, you know, my, my child and, and my responsibilities to my child are um, the most important thing to me. Uh, relationships and the things on, on relationships, um, uh, here are just some of the, the items. Just maybe this will help you give, get an idea. Um, networking, family birthdays, uh, thank you notes, mm-hmm. uh, online dating, um, I, I would say in terms of how do I know what goes on top, every week I'm reviewing because even though parenting is always going to stay at the top, things like the move, things like board work, things like the State Independent Living Council, things mm-hmm. like travel, those are going to vary in terms of their level of importance, um, you know, depending on, on what's going on that week. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different ways to skin that cat, but I think it's very clear that one has to have a system. I'm going to give you something that's very low-tech again. And some of the low-tech and cheap stuff appeals to me because a lot of our folks are starting out in their careers and may not have an organization to support all that at first. So here's a low-tech way to prioritize. It's, again, using Microsoft Word. Open up a document. You might call it your master priorities document. And then you can have those categories like you were mentioning, home, life, projects, things to buy, grocery lists, whatever, different sections. One line per thing to do. So um, you might want to have things. Each line begins with um, 
a keyword and first a letter and then a keyword. So for instance, a line could say a food and then it can say buy tuna fish. And then it can then your next one can be in different other categories. Well, what can happen is that you put these things down, you can just put them one line per thing to do. And then at the end, you just use the board function to sort according to alphanumeric. And all of these things get sorted into your categories and your priorities. So you know that you have something that's a C priority. It's on your list, but it's going to appear down on your list. You play with this a little bit and you find that you can take this. Not only can you take this, but it'll work on any computer. And it's there for you wherever uh, you put it in your Dropbox or other things and you have access to it wherever. And it's a self-generated list of priorities. And when you're done, you just delete that line. That's cool. That's a really cool way to do it. Um, what about tracking other people and other people's progress towards their goals? You know... Um, in this office, what I do is I have regular meetings, and I keep a file, one file per person. I have their yeah. name on, actually, I've made it a desktop icon because I've got eight direct reports. Each one has their own icon. I just click in, and then I have that exact same list of priorities that we've discussed as, as their job duties, and the, job, the meetings become review based on the priorities that we've agreed to. So there's a tendency in a meeting to just spin off in details, but I know from this list that Jennifer really should be getting out that annual report. That's her A priority right now. And so that's what we're going to talk about first. And as the meeting progresses, I may add things to do or delete things as they get completed. That seems to work pretty well for me. I do essentially the same practice yeah. i just do it in OmniFocus, mm -hmm. and i feel like it's the key the keys to the kingdom i mean that is that is why things move forward is because we're always and it's not a surprise to anyone it's not mm -hmm. a surprise we're going to talk about um you know the goals for the the person in the position for the year mm -hmm. pretty much every time we have a one-on-one -on -one, which is once on once a week um, we're going to review status once a week. And I, um, it's so systematized for me mm -hmm. in terms of looking at my lists and asking every week. Mm -hmm. It's becoming such, it's just becoming routine for staff. Mm -hmm. um, if there's a project that I'm waiting for from somebody else, I tag it with the, with the words waiting for. Uh, so then I can nice. often just do like a global search. Search for the waiting fors. Yep. The other thing is, I don't know about you, but I am definitely someone who gets like all these random ideas at like, you know, inappropriate times. <laughs> and uh, I have a tag called Someday Maybe. And, you know, two things. I have a tag called Someday Maybe, which I just sort of put all these like, you know, um, uh, uh, conquer world domination or, you know, some some huge sort of bigger picture goal. But Someday Maybe has also worked out really great for folks um, that I'm supervising because oftentimes you get somebody and they're like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't you can also track their um, sort of their big thinking wish list. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been a couple of times where that has really been 
beneficial. You know, maybe someone has made a suggestion about um, a program change that we should make, but at the time, I'm not in a place where I can digest it. I'm not in a place where I can do anything about it from a budgetary standpoint. But the the person and I have a system for making sure that that information, that that thought doesn't get lost, and um, there's there's a means to go back and check it later. Mm-hmm. It is sometimes about how do you reduce the noise and increase the signal yep. with all the other details in your in your day. And which brings me to this subject I know we'll spend a little time on Outlook or email, office email. Um, I assume you probably dispatch hundreds of emails a day. About 300. Okay. So what's your system for dealing with emails? Oh, man. Well, first of all, I subs- you know, I've got all these like technology solutions, I have to say. But um, they do help me a lot. I use a service called SaneBox, S-A-N-E. Mm-hmm. And SaneBox, um, it does two things in particular that are pretty darn helpful. Um, first of all, it will file messages that I have um, created a rule for. So, for example, I get a lot of mailing list stuff. All of that automatically gets filtered into a read later folder. Um, but what it also does is it will take my attachments and it will take all the attachments out of my emails and put them in a Dropbox folder, which I have to say is really, really helpful. That's interesting. So you just have a folder full of attachments, maybe not with the accompanying email? Just well, what happens with it, I, I, I left out an important component. Once it takes the attachment and saves it to Dropbox, then when you open the email message, it says you can find the attachment to this message at this link. And you'd click it, and it just downloads it mm-hmm. from Dropbox. Mm-hmm. So you're you're technically you're reducing your server footprint. You're keeping your files uh, on Dropbox, which for me that's a that's a, from in most cases that's a storage solution that I like, um, and it's a big time saver just mm-hmm. to have the, you know, some of the bulk stuff automatically filtered out. Then I can go through it maybe, you know, honestly what I do when my kid's like going before my kid has actually fallen asleep, but after I've left her, I go through that folder and hit delete a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, some kind of rule. I I use rules a lot too. I must have, I don't know, 50 uh, Outlook folders and some folders to those folders. Um, I don't want to have in my consciousness hundreds of things that I'll I'll want to read later systematically. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is make folders, whether it's an automated rule or you just have the folder and you know, well, maybe 20, 20 emails on a topic, you're not going to want, you'll delete. But that 21st one, that's going to go in the folder because you know you're going to refer to that project. I may also have folders for individuals or individual projects that becomes the repository for all kinds of references for me. Uh, we're also building a new building. And in the course of it, uh, there are uh, architectural considerations, finance considerations, design, all of these kinds of things. They have their own folders, so I can always get at them. And so somebody who, um, well, let's, let's put it this way. As no matter how much you do with this kind of organization, how many rules and how many clever folders, there's always going to be things that are uncategorizable or you're just not sure or you don't even want to know where it goes yet. 
I am not afraid of having an inbox that's absolutely enormous. I may have now. Oh, see, I'm so the opposite of you. <laughs> yeah. Matt. There's no reason to be afraid of it. I may have 10,000 messages in my inbox, maybe 2,000 of them unread at any time. Oh, my gosh. I'd be like, I'd be having to like sit down and take deep breaths if I had, like, seriously. I get it down to zero every day. Well, um, there's probably a drug for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the point of this is that, um, you know, the, the computers, the, the memory requirements, it's all well within what the technical capacities are. But the reason why I can stand that is because I know that using an Outlook, at least, the F3 key is your friend. It allows you to search those 10,000 messages in your giant inbox because you're wanting that one that says something about an espresso bar that you wanted to put in the new office. So you search under espresso bar, and there, down 6,000 emails down, there is that thing. And I won't have a folder called espresso bar, and I, I don't know where I'm going to put that. But I know that at one time I had a communication with somebody about it. And so much like that Microsoft Word flat file, um, knowing that you can search this mass of stuff that's all on the server, it's all backed up, it's all accessible from wherever you are. I use that a lot. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I do have a reputation for never deleting an email permanently, <laughs> ever. Um, but I use my email organizational system is slightly different. I definitely use folders. Um, I tend to... Uh, try to have my folders match what my remember we talked about the the higher level lists of projects for mm -hmm. the week I tend mm -hmm. to try to um, you know get them to match up once a week and I do go through and and try to get my no I do get my email my inbox to zero every day um, I, I look at every email as actionable mm -hmm. and so even if the action is file this mm -hmm. that's an action mm. Um, but I, I have a hard time looking at, this is just me and every person has their own things. I have a, like a really hard time looking at my inbox with things in it. It makes me feel like anxious, like I'm not getting something done. Mm -hmm. Um, other, other email outlook tricks, you know, the, the service I was telling you about Sanebox has a, has a kind of a cool thing that you can do. Let's say you get an email from someone and you know that you need to take action on it, but you don't need to do anything with it until Saturday. Mm -hmm. You can actually send yourself an email to Saturday, once, you're, once your email account is configured, Saturday at sanebox.com, and then it'll take that email and send it back to you on Saturday. Mm. So I have found that to be helpful for those very types of things. The things that like okay, this is not appropriate for me to be working on at work, but I definitely want to respond to this person and I want to do it um, when I'm not at work. Send it to me on Saturday and I'll do it Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this vexing problem of where do you put stuff for later? Um, are you familiar with this, this app, Pocket? Yeah. Tell, what, how's, what's your experience with it? I, I'm just starting to use it, but so I'm not experienced with it. But it looks like it's a place where no matter where you find something, where you've read it, email, on the net, you can designate it so that you can read it later. So when you're cozying up and you're going to spend a couple of hours reading, it's this is the stuff you want to read, the stuff that 
you're too busy to read in the cut of things, mm-hmm. but later on you can read it. It all goes there. That's cool. Yeah. I've, I've played with Instapaper, um, which I think is similar, but I've never really, you know, sometimes there's just so much fiddling around with it that I don't have time to fiddle around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give Pocket a try, though. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good suggestion. So now I want to turn our attention to a subject that's near and dear to the hearts of people who have thing note takers to sell. When you're on the road and you need, you're in a meeting, you want to take notes, you want to take notes for later action or maybe you're literary and you're keeping your own journal, but you're on the move or you move maybe from your own office to another conference room within your own agency. How do you take notes? Um, I have a Braille Edge 40, which connects to my iPhone. And in large part, um, I will take that with me when I go to meetings outside of the office and connect it with Bluetooth and I'll take notes. Um, You know, there's an app for iPhone called Drafts, D-R-A-F-T-S. And Drafts will, it's basically just like you open it up and it's a piece of paper. Um, So I will often take notes using the Braille Edge right into Drafts. And then that's exportable to, I mean, pretty much, you can do it in Markdown, you can send it by email, Evernote, Dropbox, any any of the services that we've talked about today, um, you can export with drafts. But you know what, I've, what I'm noticing, um, when I'm actually in my office, I'm just grabbing my Bluetooth keyboard and basically doing the same thing in terms of typing into drafts, but um, it's a little bit faster I think for me at times to just when I'm on the you know you go to somebody's office and you want to have a one-on-one meeting or something Mm -hmm. I'm just grabbing the the bluetooth keyboard I carry them both um I'm not totally sure why but (laughs) belt and suspenders (laughs) uh I guess I like to be prepared and uh I can't say enough about the Braille Edge, though. I feel like it's really a... I've heard people say it's a smart device because it can be a note-taker on its own without um, any connection to the iPhone. And then you turn the Bluetooth um, the Bluetooth on and it will connect directly to your iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's really... That's the kind of device that we should be expecting as blind people. Yeah. Not a ghetto system that relegates us to you know, ASCII or BRF text, but something that's flexible enough that um, it allows us to exchange information just like our sighted peers do. You know, it's that exchange and connectivity. It it really has been a problem that, as you called it, the ghetto dedicated blind devices expect that blind people write on their own and they're not exchanging Word documents or other formats with others. We work as teams now. That's where employment is. And um, I, you turned me on to drafts a few months ago. I'm using this every day now. I don't have a Braille Edge. I have a $99 Apple wireless keyboard. And I work it with my iPhone and I use uh, drafts. It works flawlessly. It's just, it's open. You're immediately on the page you want to write. You can export it, like you were saying, everywhere. And it's stable. This is one thing. I know that some blind folks were saying, well, look, with iOS 7 pages, the word processing program is now free. But I have heard increasingly stories of people who have lost documents and 
somehow something because it's a graphically heavy program, something mysterious happens and they've lost it. Pages is just sort of lean and mean and simple, and um, that has become my on-the-go uh, way to way to write down stuff. Yeah, I have it. I I have it in my doc. You know, the other thing I'll do with drafts because drafts is like having a little notebook in your pocket. That's mm-hmm. how I how I characterize it. Um, the other thing that works well sometimes I'm walking. Uh, mobility instructors don't listen to this part. <laughs> Sometimes I'm walking and I I want to like compose an email or compose a text message or um, do some sort of writing while I walk. And if I'm in a quiet enough place, uh, it's pretty easy to just open up drafts and start doing Siri dictation. And you know I don't even have to necessarily dictate. Like if I know that I'm going to send you an email, Brian, and our friend Kathy an email. I can just dictate both of them right into drafts, and then when I uh, export that to my computer, when I get to my computer, cut and paste, and there's the two emails, all using Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, you say a word that's increasingly old-fashioned, email, 30 years old. It's 30 years since I had my first email address already. But in the, wor- in the world of business, um, 140 character uh, texts and tweets just don't cut it. You have to be able to communicate with subtlety. And so that's why um, for business communication, we still have to have ways to write paragraphs. Mm-hmm. That's why I like drafts particularly. You know, I'm part of a committee that meets periodically up in Sacramento. And the last time we met, and it's a it's a pretty big committee with... Um, on which I'm the only person that has vision loss, of course. And we were trying to put together a mission statement for the group. And because of my tools, and because I had them all there with me, um, I was able to be the one who drafted the mission statement. Mm -hmm. And then I just, um, I think I texted it, actually. And then I texted what the group was sort of coming up with together. I was the, the secretary, essentially. I texted that to the group leader and they were able to put it up on using uh, I think they were using keynote on the screen Mm -hmm. so I didn't plan to do that that was all spontaneous you know um but for most of my life growing up as a blind kid it wasn't an option for me to be the secretary and recorder yeah we've we've become the information providers and the authorities in one short generation it's it's remarkable I want to talk a little bit about grace while traveling. Um, <laughs> you might want to talk to someone else. <laughs> no, actually, um, it is about, uh, you know, the stereotypes of, of people with hanging with various devices on shoulders and straps crossing and wires and earphones and all of that. As a business professional and somebody going into boardrooms, talk a little bit about how do you carry all your stuff? What do you carry in? How do you how do you how are you elegant and stylish? Well, I would not. Um, I'm I'm not sure that I agree with your assessment that I am. However, I will tell you what I carry with me regularly. I carry the Braille Edge Forty, and it has um, the really nice leather executive products case. And the Braille Edge 40 comes with a case of its own, but it's not, a real, it's not a real great case for the Braille Edge 40 itself. However, it fits the Apple wireless keyboard perfectly. 
So I have the um, Braille Edge 40 with the leather case and clipped to the same strap but resting behind it. I have the original case with my Apple wireless keyboard inside. Um, it's all black. Honestly, some of my choices about what I carry and, and, and those decisions are based on I pull a stroller to, to get my kid to childcare every morning. Um, in the past, I've gotten really into um, like leather bags, nice professional leather bags that are where I can throw my laptop in. Um, you know, all of the extra batteries I might want in a in a day. I have one really nice bag that I take when I go to Sacramento or do short trips like that, and it makes a difference. You know. Whether we like it or not, like, appearance is everything. Yeah, and the ability quickly and elegantly to pull out the tool you need and use it and put it back. These days I carry a leather shoulder bag, goes on one shoulder, doesn't really ruin a suit particularly. It has lots of compartments, so I can know, I just know if I need that extra cable, it's in that lower right compartment and I'm done. And I think it's really important to find something that works for you that way. In the past, I I liked the sort of speed of a leather backpack. It doesn't work so well with a suit Mm-mm. anymore. Mm-mm. But if you're a little more casual, a leather backpack has a certain together look, and there are some nice ones out there now. Yeah, there are some really nice ones out there. I'm I'm always in the mark. I love bags. I like. I think that they're. Um, they're a big part of an, of an outfit, or they can be a big accent part of an outfit. Well, one of the things that, that I've come to use more and more is um, speaking about travel and going to places we don't know where, where it is and feeling comfortable and getting there on time is maps. And I'm not talking about um, the many GPS choices we have as you travel. Some of them are increasingly good. But just before a big meeting, I may not want to fill my head with yet another app and lots of other things. I might want to have a little quiet and peace in knowing where it is that I'm going and what the streets are and what's around it. So I like to preview my route before I go. And an excellent product for that is uh, Sendero has a relatively little known product called PC Maps. And it's a PC-based version of the full Sendero GPS product. And with it, you can set a location to where you're going to be. And while you're before you're out and walking, you can see how the streets connect and what's around and what the distances are. And then you, you know it, just like a sighted person might look at a map before you set out on the street. You know what? I used to use that program, I think, back in DOS days. Um... That's, I didn't realize that they still had a, a, a PC program that they, does they, that. They didn't. They, for 20 years, they didn't have it. And then only last year, they made the product for the PC. You can get it through the American Printing House for the Blind. And it's inexpensive, and it's it's really worth it. Yeah, you know, I know that um, a lot of people have poo-pooed the price of Seeing Eye, Sendero, their partnership. They made the Seeing Eye GPS app. I have found it really invaluable. Um, you can do a little bit of route planning on there. You can get a, you can, but you can't get the level of detail that you're talking about. Um, however, I mean, I do do a lot of out of town trips for a day or two here and there. And, um, I've tried all the GPS apps and it's really the best one. It's really the best one. Mm -hmm. 
Sendero's pretty great. Yes, they are. And um, we're looking for more more things being pioneered in the future. Yeah. Well, we've covered quite uh, quite the field of technologies and organizational tools. What haven't we talked about? Well, I think our people out there, our blind people, our community out there, um, often doesn't think that these things are relevant to them. You know, I was reading the, the labor um, report recently, and the labor force participation for folks with disabilities between 18 and 55 is a rousing 19.5%. I saw that. And I guess, Brian, I find that so troubling because it's not that it's a community that can't work. It's not that it's a community that's an, unable to work. In a lot of cases, it's a, it's a matter of sure opportunity. But what I've been seeing as a manager is if you don't keep your skills up, if you're not practicing, like, keeping a calendar, for example, as inane as that may sound, if you're not practicing keeping track of um, projects and tasks, then when you do get into the workforce, you're really behind your peers. Mm -hmm. You're really behind your peers. So I'm not I'm not sure in terms of like how to how to really embrace that conversation but I think it's an important component of why you and I felt so drawn to share these this information. Um we're both dedicated to hiring blind people and help helping our community rise up and um if you're not yet a blind executive but you want to be one you have the time to master these things right now. Some of them, as we've been saying, cost almost nothing. But get those systems in so that when you do land that next job, you're going to be the one who is the master of the calendar or the information or taking notes or drafting that mission statement. It's really important. to. This is something that we can do well. And when people do it well, the results are, are kind of tangible. I mean, um, in, we're speaking in California, the Department of Rehabilitation, of all disabilities uh, who have been closed competitively every year, uh, the people who are blind have the highest starting hourly wage of any disability. And the people who are blind have higher wages than people who are visually impaired. And I'm convinced that part of it is the ability to, to use our tools to master information. And that's a hopeful sign. And we hope that through this podcast and many others that we'll produce, We'll give you the tools that everyone needs to be productive and happy. I believe that everybody has potential. It's just some people haven't been given the opportunity to really um, touch theirs yet. Well, on behalf of Lighthouse and uh, our extended community, I'd like to thank you, Jesse Lorenz, Director of the Independent Living Resource Center in San Francisco, for joining on this podcast for Lighthouse. This is Brian Bashan. The preceding material is owned and distributed by the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco, California. To obtain permission to use this content for classes or other uses, please contact us at publications at lighthouse-sf.org. Or to learn more about the Lighthouse, visit our website at www.lighthouse-sf.org.